Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of Own the Microphone. Let me tell you, Damon and I have just been talking for like 20 minutes nonstop, and I know this is going to be a good conversation because we just roll like that. Everybody, welcome Damon J. Givehan, my former colleague, and most importantly, my friend, to today's episode. Damon, welcome. I'm glad we had Yes, yes. And it's so sad that I think I engage with your wife more than I engage with you. And it's only because of you that I know your wife, Kyla, who's a total rock star. (laughs) So Damon, you and I met because of work that we used to do with an ed tech company. And we would travel the country doing presentations. Everybody on our team was likely to be on a plane on a Thursday, in a workshop on a Friday, and then Friday night headed home. Tell me, with that work that you did with making all of those presentations, what's the number one lesson that you learned as a, as a speaker giving all kinds of presentations, whether they were webinars, conference sessions, breakouts, whatever? What's the number one lesson you learned as a speaker? Ooh, um, the number one lesson, a lot of, lot of lessons. A lot of lessons, but I think ultimately the number one lesson was to speak from the heart, you know, because, you know, I have a couple of memorable presentations. They were kind of key and pivotal pivotal, uh, around that time or pivotal around that time. But um, there are many presentations that I got good feedback from that I don't remember what was said. And I think it's because when you really care about something, when you really speak from the heart, something operates through you. You don't have to remember what to say. You just speak and let it flow. Um, so I think that would be the number one lesson that I learned over time, though. It didn't, it didn't happen instantly. You know, that had to, that was something that had to develop in me. <laughs> I had to mature into. <laughs> no, I hear you. The ones where you go off script tend to be the ones that have the most impact on the audience. I'm going to ask you, do you remember one where you, you went off script or you spoke from the heart and you had the audience just on fire? I think when I got into speaking, because I I didn't begin as a confident speaker. In fact, I got some very traumatic stories from um, when I was younger. But my transition into that speaking world made sense and it fit into my life path. But at some point, uh, I think from the level of, preparation and just being engaged in the material oftentimes you know it was off script you know predominantly it was off script it's like in your mind you know what to talk about you know what key points to hit um but how you hit it is based on the audience and the interactions that you're having in that moment um so yeah i can I can't tell you details, specifics. I can tell you feedback that I've gotten from, from audience members after the fact. But yeah, yeah it, was, it was a pretty regular occurrence at some point. You know, in the, it's like driving a stick shift. You know, yeah. like in the beginning, you got to really pay attention to the clutch, you know, the stick. You don't want anybody behind you if you're on a hill at a stoplight. Um, 
roll the windows up, you know, like turn the radio down. No, nobody can talk. And, but at some <laughs> point, it doesn't matter. You can switch gears, drive, talk, music's blasting. You can sing, you can wave out the window and speak to people walking by at some point. And I think that's how my speaking journey was. It was very um, cognitive at first. But then after having been engaged in the content and the material for so long, and given the same presentations, not the same presentation, but the, all the presentations at some point were like different segments or different chapters in this book long presentation, you know, but the book was the book. The presentation was the presentation, but at some certain times I was talking about chapter one versus chapter two, but they were all related and they all fit together. And I think at that point, yeah, I can just come from the heart, you know, and not really think about what I'm, what I have to say to really speak to my audience based on what they voice their needs and concerns and questions are or what I sense, you know, so. Now you said that you have some really traumatic stories of not necessarily being this incredible speaker that you are now. Do you care to favor us with one of those or is that going too far? No, I should, you know, I imagined that you were going to ask me like, so, do you have any memorable uh, presentations <laughs> you want to share with the audience and tell a story? And I had one. I had one in my mind. I was going to tell you, yeah, and it was four words long. <laughs> that's not a presentation, Damon. That's a bumper sticker. So that doesn't qualify. <laughs> uh, but but those four words would have been, I don't have it. You know. <laughs> And that was my first year of college. <laughs> my first year of college, man. I can remember in um, English 101, a part of our final grade was an oral report. And you know, I, I did a good written report. That was on point. But when it came down to the oral presentation, and this was at, toward the end of the semester, um, when it was my turn, I said, I don't have it because I was just so afraid to get up there and talk, you know? And for years, I, I walked around with this idea that I had a fear of public speaking because that's kind of what's put out in front of people, right? We hear that all the time. And we can assume that it's the fear of public speaking that we have. And I learned, and this took me maybe, it took me until I was in my early 30s to, and when I, at the beginning of my teaching journey that I learned that it wasn't a fear of public speaking that I had. It was a fear of making a fool of myself in front of people that I had. And the fear of making a fool of myself had to do with my level of preparation. I, as a young guy, I didn't, while I did write an excellent paper, I didn't prepare to speak, right? And I wasn't willing to get up there and kind of fumble through words and make a jackass out of myself, and pardon, pardon the language. But that's what I had a fear of. And it took me a long time to figure that out. But when I got to that place where there were things that I cared about, like learning, especially when I'm engaging with young people, health, um, or things that help boost our quality of life, I can speak about that confidently all day long without a presentation that's written up, right? I mean, <laughs> that's where my source of confidence comes from, just talking about what I know about and life is a mechanism of uh, preparation, right? 
you know, my whole life path has prepared me for certain things to talk confidently about. So, yeah. I want to hear a little bit more about that that healing and solving your life in a little bit. And that's life with a capital L. So I'm going to circle back to that, but I need to ask you this. What is a mistake that speakers often make? I mean, I know one is kind of what you just talked about, talking about what you don't know. That's a mistake that speakers will make, or they try to find some passion or love for a topic that they're not really passionate or in love with. But what's a mistake that speakers oftentimes make that they don't realize that they're making? Hmm. Um, I think the, the speakers who, because I've worked with some professors, like when we got out there in the speaking circuit, and we gave presentations, I would get approached by professors um, that were out in the world that wanted to get into the speaking circuit. And they would tell me, you know, what their concerns were. And I would kind of coach them through it. And I discovered that some of them, and this is a pretty big mistake in my opinion, but they would hold in mind what what mistakes they didn't want to make right, where they didn't want to mess up. And I had to help a good number of them figure out that don't focus on what you don't want to do. Don't focus on where you don't want to mess up because if that's what you hold in your mind, invariably, that's going to be what you do. It doesn't matter that you don't want to do it. If that's what you hold in your mind, that's exactly what you're going to do. Um, And it's like a poet. You know, if you're giving a presentation or going to the poetry analogy, um, no one knows you've missed the line except you, right? And I just say, just speak your poetry. And if you miss a line, just act like you didn't. (laughs) Keep on going, you know? But if you focus on the line you've missed, then that can get in your way. And if you're a presenter and you're trying to remember what to do or what to say versus just speaking through the heart, um, that can have us hung up. You know, and I've probably done that, you know, a handful of times. I mean, I can count on one hand, I should say, where that uh, has gotten in my way, you know, just kind of focused on like where I, where in my mind I messed up during the presentation. And then that would create some issues that I would quickly have to figure out how to resolve and pull myself out of. And, and we've said it before, no one knows that you messed up unless you say you messed up. Now, if you mispronounce a word or whatever, yes, that's obvious. But if you had to jettison some content, if you're having to leave out a story that you meant to share, unless you make some big announcement to the audience that you're skipping over material, they don't know. So please don't tell people. It takes away your confidence and it takes away your shine too. It doesn't have you looking polished and it adds no value to the presentation telling the audience, oh yeah, well, what I, what, I was going to tell you this out of the other. Because now the audience feels disadvantaged. They feel shortchanged. Wait a minute, she was going to tell us a story, but now we got to look at some facts and figures and data. Oh man, I want my money back, right? So don't do that don't do that to them. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, Damon is a Cancer Sun, Aries Moon, and Aquarius Rising, who embraces the title Califloridian, who having lived eight of his most momentous lives in the Bay Area, California, and now proudly residing back in Florida. The birthmark on his neck 
looks just like a hickey, which led to wild rumors as a youngster teaching him an early lesson to never judge books by their covers. Now his wife, Kyla, gets the funny looks. For years, he taught math and student success on the high school and college levels, and he trained educators on those levels on best teaching practices, which naturally progressed into the professional speaking chapter of his story. These days, he teaches what he considers the most important math of all, and that's how to heal and solve your life in a game that is life with a capital L. How do we heal and solve our life? That's a great question. It's a question that I love. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the only kinds of questions I ask are the questions that guests love. You didn't know that, (laughs) That's why we're friends, Bridget. Um, you know, I think paying attention is the key thing, right? Really working with what we can actually see and experience and feel for ourselves. Um, which is why, you know, just kind of to cut to the chase, I had to figure out personally that and with good reason that I can go into, that the quality of my life really begins with my physical health because it's the grossest. And when I say gross, I don't mean disgusting, but I mean like not subtle, right? It's the grossest part of our being. And then, you know, working our way up to the mind and emotion that becomes more subtle, but on the very gross level, the obvious level that we can all see and we can feel, it's um it's about physical health, right? And that's something that I think, regardless of all the documentaries out there and all the textbooks and all the educating that happens around physical health, it doesn't matter what those documentaries and books and other so-called experts say about it. We have to learn how to tune in and just experience our own existence, right? And really pay attention to it. And if we do that, then we are on to something and we can figure out what's most important um, in terms of how to feel well all the time, you know, Uh, and that's on a physical level. And then because if the physical body is compromised in any kind of way, it distracts the mind and it compromises every other aspect of our being, whether we recognize it or not. And I just think it takes, takes us, the individual, to start to pay attention and start to notice, you know, and if we, when we start to notice, then we'll start to work on that problem. Um, and then that's when the magic happens. Right. So I don't know that I answered your question. In fact, I feel like I didn't, but ask me more. And I'll have a chance. What did you think you did? What, what, so I was asking, you know, how do you heal and how do you solve your life? I, I, I think you did. I mean, is there more you, you'd add? Okay. 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 And we'll say we'll say more if you ask more. <laughs> In a little bit, you are going to have the opportunity to ask me a question, Damon. But for now, I want to ask you about your book, Yoga, Truth, and the Real Fountain of Youth. How oh. did you, yes, how, what got you to writing that book? Because I know you are you just love learning and so you've taught math you've taught on the high school level and college levels you've done presentations all over on different topics 
pertaining to student success. I know you are an avid, uh, is it yogi? Is that the right word here? You can say that. You can say that. Oh, oh, okay. I do my best. best. Okay. Well, (laughs) you know my memory of yoga with you, and that's nearly getting kicked out of your yoga session. (laughs) That's when I wasn't so polished. You think I was polished? I wasn't a I wasn't a polished student. You had you had an unpolished student in class. But how did you decide to write this book? And do you tend to do presentations uh, on content from your book? I do do presentations on that on the content of my book, Um, but to a certain audience. Again, you know, talking about just a natural progression, just like, you know, uh, there was a part of my life that naturally led into me public speaking. Um, There was a part of my studies and my research um, and just a hunger within that eventually led me to yoga truth and the real fountain of youth, because it's a, um, everybody's not ready for that. It's not for everyone. It's a, um, I would say that it's my book that kind of, well, not kind of, it actually is um, of a more esoteric and mystic blend, right? But that kind of research and that, that study comes out of what I call, or in coined back in 2016, called The Rich Life, which was an acronym for Radically Intent on Cultivating Happiness. And then along with the rich life, I have 12 radical intentions that my wife and I developed. Um, Radically intent on cultivating happiness, it involves uh, the mind and attention. It involves uh, the result of our actions, but it also involves action, right? Because to be radically intent means to focus on something in the mind. Uh, Radically intent on cultivating has to do with action, right? Cultivation. And there's a fruit that we're looking for and that fruit we call happiness. And you, we, we use happiness to measure our experiences, but after the fact, you know, once we've done something or said something um, or been through something or experienced something, then we ask ourselves, you know, do I feel uplifted? Do I feel better, right? I mean, like going toward happiness. I mean, that's really the measuring stick. Um, so. That was the work that I've been working on. I'm still developing that and still honing that. But out of that, and I, you know, I, I would say also, like to me, that's like mastering the matrix, right? Like that, or that the life that we're all born into, you know, the radical, the rich life, radically intent on cultivating happens, really about mastering the matrix along with the 12 radical intentions. Um, yoga truth and the real fountain of youth transcends the matrix. So it starts to talk about some of that other stuff. Like once you've mastered the matrix, okay, now what's possible? Um, and I do talk the, about talk about both of those. <laughs> yeah, getting super deep. I'm telling you, see, this is why I always feel like I need to read an encyclopedia or something before I get on with you. I even told my husband, hey, Aaron, I've got a couple of calls this afternoon and one of them is with Damon. And he stopped. I said, yeah, you already know I'm going to read a dictionary or something before I get on with him. Now, with being radically intent on cultivating happiness, the word happiness reminds me 
of an activity that you did in a keynote, I believe. I was not present for it. It was in Atlanta, June of 2016, I think, I think, where you had the audience listening to Pharrell's Happy, his song Happy. And you had the audience dancing. And I know about this because either you told me about it or you posted something about it on social media or your wife told me about it. But you had the audience actually dancing. What are some of your favorite activities to do in presentations or maybe not activities, but what are some of your favorite engagement tools? Because engagement tools are not necessarily activities because I like to look at questions as an engagement tool. They're actually the the strength and the power of engagement in a presentation is dependent upon the power and strength of the question that you ask. So you can have any kind of activity you want. You know, you can have people throwing balls at each other. You can have people writing on chart paper. You can have people doing a think, pair, share, or one minute conversation, whatever. But, but if the question that you are using as the basis of the think, pair, share, the chart, paper activity, whatever, if the question is lame, the activity is going to be lame. So let me reel it in. What is one of your favorite engagement tools to ensure the audience is picking up what you're putting down? Well, I, I remember that. It was a keynote, you're right, and it was in Atlanta, and it was in June, and it was 2016. That's interesting. <laughs> I just don't remember what you were wearing. That's my shortcoming. <laughs> if you were there, though, you would have remembered. Um, I have no doubt about that. So for all of our listeners, Bridget has this Rain Man ability to remember like dates and outfits on certain dates. We're talking about decades ago. <laughs> um, her corpus callosum, man. I'm telling y'all, it's on fire. She has all kind of neurons working up there. Um, but the title of that pre that keynote was uh, what was it? It's uh, been a minute. Um, happiness, the fuel and the fire that lights the way to greater returns. And you're right. We um as a way to kick off the opening of that um, presentation, I did have the audience and I was dancing too. And I'm not a dancer, you know, so it was a lot of fun. Um, but, I'm not either, Damon. I, you, <laughs> and you know this, you know this, and that's all we're going to say. <laughs> crazy, crazy. Um, so what activities, you know, I, the name of the activity escapes me and you can probably remember it. But there was one where we would have, like, say, it might, it might be a group of four groups of whatever number, three or four people, and they might be working on a concept or an idea or reading a passage from a book, right, um, or something. And we would have them go off and become experts in whatever they're working on. And then we would have them go form another group with other people in the group um, who were not experts in their area. I'm probably not explaining that correctly. Um, Okay, so you got four groups, right? Group one learns A, group two learns B, group three learns C, group D learns, I mean, group four learns D, right? We have them go become experts in A, B, C, and D. And then we have them go mingle with 
other group members who mastered another concept, right? So all the all the um the uh the ones, twos, threes, and fours would now form a group with other ones, twos, threes, and fours, and they would talk about their expert area, right? That would be one that I loved because it always it gave me an opportunity to bring in some um some really important information, but it had the audience members or the participants reading, right? Then they were discussing, then they were sharing in their small intimate groups, and then we would bring them into the larger group conversation. I mean, it just touched them on so many levels. Um, took, took some good organizing and some good planning to go along with that, to be able to facilitate that kind of activity. But that is arguably um, my favorite kind of activity to do. But a lot of times I found also that the really simple ones really were winners right? They knocked it out of the park, like with little think pair shares. And there was another activity that we would do where we would, um, what was it called? Uh, have you ever, right? We would say, have you ever? And people would write down something that they did that they think everybody in the world should do, or at least all the people in that room should do. Like, have you ever climbed Mount Everest? Or have you ever been hang gliding? Or have you ever, whatever, right? They would just name something that they've done that they really enjoyed and think people would benefit from that similar experience. And then they would turn those slips of paper on and we would just read them, you know, to the audience. And we would say, you know, if this happened to you, stand up. So we know for everything that we read, at least one person should stand up because one person had to write it down, right? And then if they identified somebody across the room, give them like a air fist bump or something like that, you know? Those kinds of activities were really simple but we're big winners, big hits. I mean, so we can get as complicated as we want <laughs> and involved or as simple, but I think it's just about audience engagement. As long as we include them in the process and not don't become talking heads, like just kind of fire hosing them with all this information coming out of our minds. Um, I think that's what they enjoy most because it's really an experience that they walk away with, not information. You know, Damon, as you were describing that activity and uh, the one where we would put participants into like four groups of four mm -hmm. and where they were becoming experts on a, a piece of information, I had forgotten about that activity and I loved it. Everybody, any of the activities and any of the engagement tools that Damon mentioned, nine times out of 10, I have the directions for it somewhere. Just reach out to me, okay? Just, you know how to find me, BridgetMcGowan.com, BMACTalks.com. You know how to find me. Just reach out to me and say, hey, Bridget, I want those engagement tools you and Damon were talking about, and I'll find them for you. And here's a secret for the audience. She actually does have all of that stuff. Because 98% of everything that I've done, I got from Bridget. You know what I'm saying? So, so reach out to Bridget. She has, <laughs> she had mine. And here we are. Yeah, yeah. I'm sitting here. I'm so mad that I cannot think of the name of that activity because it was fantastic. You had a lot of content you needed to cover in a short amount of time. So here were these four big pieces of content where you could create experts that were teaching each other. And like you said, it was conversation, it was engagement and reading and jotting down notes. It was fantastic. So just holler at me if you want that engagement tool. I'm happy to dig it up and give it to you. One, one more thing for the audience. And 
why I advise you to reach out to Bridget is because the activity is the activity, but Bridget has this ability to organize um, that is uncanny. I mean, for instance, I would color code my sheets of paper for this expert group or that expert group. Um, I would color code paper clips. You know, Bridget has so many little tidbits of like just wise ways to engage audience members in a very organized way so that everything runs smoothly. It's kind of ridiculous um, <laughs> in contact with Bridget. I'm telling you, and I mean that. <laughs> Thank you, Damon. Thank you, Damon. Well, you've got this room full of folks and you know what? Chaos can happen. So my, my job, okay, because I can be chaotic enough by myself. My job was to try to make things as smooth as possible. So I am thinking not only like a presenter, but also like an audience member. And for the listeners, I want you to start thinking like that too. Don't just think like a presenter, but think like an audience member and say, what experience do I need to have here? And so that's where some of that organization and making sure everybody with a pink paper clip, uh, you know, when, you know, everybody with a pink paper clip, get together. Everybody with a yellow sheet of paper, get together. I mean, that's easy. And let me tell you something, Damon. I told you I ended up with somebody who was colorblind in one of my sessions. I'm trying to pull this. Man, so what do I do? The next time, I didn't tell you about that, Damon. I'm going to tell you, if it has happened in a presentation that can cause things to derail, it has happened to me. So what did I do going forward? I made sure that on the blue handouts, I had the word blue in the upper right-hand corner. On the green handouts, I had the word green on the yellow and so on and so forth. But That's yes, smart. I had someone colorblind. So smart. <laughs> so you plan for as much as you can. You really, really do. You plan for as much as you can and you practice and and prepare. You just do as much as you can. Plan, practice, prepare. That's what you do. Uh, and, and, and just try to set your up for yourself up for success. And then you are a facilitator. When you're a presenter, you are a facilitator. The word facile, which is the start of facilitator, means to make easy. So as a facilitator, that's what you're there to do is to make that information easy, make it an easy experience, but also a memorable experience. So thank you for your kind words, Damon. I loved what I did. I mean, yeah, it was a little over the top, but you got the job done. <laughs> I love that you broke down the word facilitate, you know, by exposing us to the root of the word facilitate, facil, to make easy. Because, you know, I love words. I love words. And, you know, I'm sure it's something I got from you. <laughs> <laughs> but again, but that's a good a lesson for the audience that we're in this together. And the more that we engage with each other um, and just talk to each other, we learn from each other in a way that benefits everybody, everybody. Yep. So. And I found the name of the activity. It's called Simple Jigsaw. That's it, Jigsaw. How could I forget that? I love that. It was my favorite. <laughs> I, I loved it too. So the next time I do a presentation, actually I'm doing one really soon. I don't know if it's going to make it into the presentation, but I might try to find a way for it to get in there because I like it so much. And I'm so glad you reminded me of it. Okay. Damon, what is your question for me? Well, to my knowledge, you haven't done a Ted talk yet, um, I, but I feel like it's coming um, because it must, it must, it must come. So if you were to give a TED Talk in February, 
what would you do it on? Damon, Damon, Damon. Okay. <sighs> I would love to do a TED Talk. It, but it has to be an... <laughs> love to watch that mess too but it has to be <laughs> it has to be one <laughs> it has to be one that contains ideas worth spreading right very good okay okay to recognize <laughs> so damon I think you have an idea of what it would be about based on a portion of our conversation we had before getting on the podcast. It would be about some aspect of my life and the surprising twists and turns that I have not necessarily made public to people and that I'm still trying to sort through. And I want to figure out what is my big lesson? What is my big aha? What is the big idea when people listen to that TED talk, they can walk away and either they're energized, they're invigorated, they're excited, they're amped up, they're having aha moments, they're moving differently, they're talking differently, they're walking differently, they're on fire. That's what I need to happen after I deliver a TED talk. And I haven't quite figured out exactly the angle because I'm still trying to figure out all these angles that I'm learning about my life that again, I just have not put out there. So what would the TED talk be about? It just has to be something that sizzles. It has to be something that has people walking away saying, man, that was the best TED talk I have ever heard because she moved me. She woke me up. She she has me ready to do something different. So if you come up with any ideas, both you and Damon, uh, you the listeners and Damon, if you have any ideas for me, throw them at me, what you think the TED Talk should be. But there's my answer. I love that. I love that. And I can't wait. And I'll be throwing some ideas either. away. What did you say, Damon? I said, I can't wait. And I'll be throwing some ideas your way. Please do. Now, I'm going to toss the question back at you. What would your topic be if you did a TED Talk? And I'm not going to put, I'm not going to put a date on it February. I'm not doing that. I'm just asking, what would your topic be? <laughs> well, it would have to be an idea worth spreading. <laughs> oh, I roll. <laughs> since they don't have the, the visual. <laughs> <laughs> and Bridget's good for that, y'all. She's good for that. Um, you should have seen some of the text message threads that we had when we used to work together. They were, they were very, there was no video, but you would have a, a, a reel running in your mind. You would see everything that was going on because Bridget is just, she's off the chain, so to speak. Um, what would mine be about? That's a good, good question. And I'm like you, I'm still trying to figure that out because um, I have a lot of things that I would love to talk about that I think are important. But just to kind of whittle it down to something that um, is um, accessible to the greatest number of people, um, I think that's really where my work right now is because I go 
down these rabbit holes and I connect these unique dots that do apply to the human existence. No question about it, but um, it's, I just don't know that I have the language to present it in a way where people won't say, did you guys hear Damien? That dude is crazy. He's on some other stuff. Um, because I'm, I'm saying, I'm, I got it together. I promise y'all that. So, and that's why I seek to find the language to present um, the biggest, well, the part of, you know, I think every, we have a purpose in life that's explicit. And I think all humans have the same big purpose. But I think until we figure out what that big thing is, that we we find whatever channel that resonates with us to pursue that big purpose, even if we can't see that big purpose yet. Um, and I think most of us can't. I mean, how could we? You know, we've we've been groomed and nurtured and conditioned in a world that has suppressed knowledge and information that has to do with who we really are. I mean, you think about the school system, and I'm an educator. You're an educator, Bridge. I love education. No question about it. But I don't love all the things that I see happening in the world of education. Um, for instance, how much history do we learn in education? You know, and when we look at the word, you know, which is why I love the way you broke down the word uh, facilitate. Um, but when we look at the word history, it's kind of cliche. I mean, kind of overdone. People know about history as his story. But the word history rhymes with the word mystery. And the ancients had these things called mystery schools, right? So his story, third person, not your story, versus mystery, which is my story. And I think, and that's the thing that's missing. We don't learn about that. That's mysterious. We don't learn about who we are and what we're made out of and what we're composed of. And I think in that knowledge is our big purpose. That's where it's hidden in plain sight, but we haven't been taught how to access that yet. So what would my TED talk be about? It would have something to do with that, that big purpose, you know? So the yoga truth and the real fountain of youth, like I said, it kind of, it talks about transcending the matrix. Um, and, I, and I definitely encourage folks to go grab the book. You know, if you want to know what I'm talking about, go grab that book because it does, it exposes us to what I would love my TED Talk to be about, right? Something big, something huge, something that we have not um, accessed. And it is within us all. And not within, in a metaphysical sense, but in a literal, physical, tangible sense. But we've been kind of conditioned to speak about things metaphorically um, and figuratively. So anyway. Okay. All right. Well, I will be waiting. I, I will be waiting. I will be watching. I will be in the audience. Everybody, two things before we ask Damon one last question, and that is number one, get a copy of Damon's book, Yoga, Truth, and the Real Fountain of Youth. It is sold on Amazon.com as well as on his website, DamonGiveHand.com. And then number two is, speaking of his website, if you would love to have Damon on your stage speaking with your community about how to heal and love your life, how to 
really live radically intent on cultivating happiness, living in that, that, that space, then he is the person to get on your stage. So head over again to his website, DamonGiveHand.com, get his book and get him on your next event agenda. You will not regret it. Last question for you, Damon. What does the audience need to know from you to make sure that they're always showing up, shining brightly and doing what they need to do in order to make a difference when they're speaking on stages? Identify what it is you love that makes you come alive and set you on fire. Learn it better than anybody else learns it. Know that the way you express it is going to be your unique way of expressing it because nobody has the exact same experience as you. So it's going to come out uniquely yours Um, and speak from the heart so that you don't have to remember everything. Something speaks and operates through you. There you have it, everybody. Damon, thank you so much for being my guest today. This was a lot of fun. My absolute pleasure, Bridget. You know it, man. I had a blast. So thanks. (laughs) I appreciate it. And everybody, (laughs) I trust you had a blast as well. As always, thank you for tuning in to the show. Until next time, make sure you always own the microphone.